This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Harry's. For guys who want a great shave experience for a fraction of what you're paying now, just go to harrys.com. There you can get $5 off your first purchase by entering code FOOL when you check out. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, July 22nd, and we're talking tech and Netflix's recent earnings release. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined in the studio by Motley Fool Premium Analyst Simon Erickson. Simon, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Um, so, Netflix, one of the best performers in the stock market in 2015. Uh, they more than doubled last year. But year to date, uh, the company's down over 20%. Seems like it might be a good time to go through their recent earnings release. What was good? What was bad? Maybe check in on what's going on with the streaming giant. How does that sound? I like it more when the stock is up 100% than when it's down 20%. Yeah, yeah. I have to agree with you there. <laughs> full disclosure, <laughs> I, am, I am a Netflix shareholder. So yeah. last year was a better year than this year has been so far. And full disclosure, I am a Netflix member. Ah. Yeah. Got, it from, got it from my dad for Christmas. <laughs> of course, made myself an account because, like, why not give yourself a gift too? Right. right? Yeah. Uh, before we dig into the numbers, are you, what are you watching on Netflix these days? Uh, we are going through Dexter right now, uh, which is quite a good show. Um, we we kind of hop between shows though. I, I have a tough time watching more than one or two shows at a time because they kind of blend the characters together. Yeah. So we're sticking with just Dexter for a little while. It makes it easier to just follow one plot line. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like Game of Thrones and, and House of Cards are kind of between the seasons right now, so we've got to get something to fill the time. Yeah, it's tough to pace out. Anytime House of Cards drops, I just binge on it. So I'm at this point. I think I'm watching Scrubs, a bunch of bunch of old episodes of Scrubs, just folding my laundry and hanging out in my room and watching Scrubs. Very nice. That's what it comes down to these days after work. Um, all right, so Netflix reported earnings earlier this week. The market was not particularly thrilled with the results. Wound up sending shares down over 14% after hours following the announcement. Really, the big numbers weren't all that bad. Uh, earnings per share came in at nine cents, uh, beating analyst expectations of two cents per share. On the top line, revenue missed expectations slightly. Uh, they were at 2.1 billion, but that was a miss of, I think, five million total. So uh, overall, top line grew 28% year over year. So on the surface, not a bad quarter in terms of looking back. I think um, when you get into some of the uh, business-specific metrics and some of the more forward-looking elements of what they release, that's where you start to run into some trouble, right? Yeah, and I think the the one the, the biggest story from this was the new subscriber growth, right? They, they only added what was it, zero point one six million new subscribers in the U.S. Yeah, it was uh, Q2 net additions, so taking gross and then also factoring in churn or the people that they lose, point uh, one six million, and that was against a forecast of point five million. And how about the international? International was uh, one point five million, uh, and that was against forecasts of two million. So, so net additions both here domestically and internationally, not particularly great. The grand totals, you can do the math, but um, the company grew uh, by 1.7 million members in Q2, uh, and that puts them at just about 83 million members overall. And uh, the hopes was that they'd be adding about 2.5 million net new members. And I think that's probably what probably sent the stock down 14%. A little bit of uh, skepticism, a little bit of fear in the market that, that maybe Netflix is slowing in its growth. Um, to me, this is a story about the uh, the, ungra- the ungrandfathering, if that's the correct verb to use. I, I don't know. I've seen it hyphenated. <laughs> okay. I've, I've seen it all one word. I've seen it you know, split up into two. I, no one knows how to AP style that word. They maybe made their own word up for this one. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, you see it time and time again in their conference call. But yeah, the, you want to tell listeners what it means? Well, the ungrandfathering of of people that were uh, basically on an old price from two years ago. Netflix basically said, "Hey, you get a two year grace period, and then in 2016 summertime, we're going to raise your price. I believe by two months, or two, I'm sorry, two dollars per month uh, for the base plans, at least for the streaming." And Apparently, two dollars a month was just too much to ask from some of your, your your members, and like you said, that net line item of gross new subs minus the uh, the churn from the existing subs that are leaving uh, left them with basically flat growth. And a lot of that, I think, was just people saying, "Hey, I can't handle this two dollars more a month. I'm out of here." Which is crazy as a sticking point because over the course of the year, that's twenty five dollars. Right. You know, it's really not all that much, and these are people. You know, once you start enjoying something for a certain price, people hate change. You know, I think that might be what it comes down to. And it's it's kind of hard, right? I mean, Netflix has always kind of wanted to uh, consumer brand, consumer facing, and they always want to keep kind of that ten dollar a month about ish price point. Um, so you can't really just go out and say, okay, we're going to raise it three percent every year. It's going to be ten dollars this year. Then it's going to be ten dollars and thirty cents the next year, and kind of so on. They kind of like to stick with that that set price. But when you do that, you get into a situation where you say, okay, well, every couple of years now, we have to raise prices. Content costs are going up, so we've got to raise the revenue line item. Uh, and you get people um, leaving because because of the extra $2. I mean, that, that was a 25% nominal increase for somebody who was only paying $8. Um, but it sticks. You know, It sticks in our mind that it's $2 a month. It's not a big deal, but maybe more... Uh, That's the psychological right, effect the psychological. of the, those extra couple Washingtons <laughs> coming out of your pocket. Exactly. And you know this is something that is going to be a persistent issue for them for the next couple quarters. Uh, for Q3, they forecasted U.S. net ads of 0.3 million as ungrandfathering continues. So uh, that should all be wrapped up by about November. We'll, we'll start to see them lapping uh, quarters where they already had to deal with the ungrandfathering issue. Um, and I, can't, I still can't get over that word, ungrandfathering. They're done ungrandfathering. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. it's just a mouthful. Um, but you know that that seems to be the culprit here. And um, really, long term, it's just going to be kind of an issue of can they continue to increase prices a little bit without disrupting the customer base too much, right? And we can talk a little bit more about that uh, as we move on to the show. Um, what are some things to like as an investor with what we saw so far? Well, I mean, they still got a really a huge. Uh, let me go disruptive and, and Clayton Christensen innovators dilemma here a little bit and talk about just kind of a huge market uh, as mobile devices continue to grow in their functionality. Uh, so Netflix reported that they're they're basically going after 600 million broadband subscribers worldwide today, but that's really only looking at kind of desktop PCs. Um, there's three billion mobile accounts. That are that are active across the world right now. Some great research that uh, that Jim Mueller put up on our Stock Advisor page recently about mobile, and a lot of people are saying, "Well, you know, hey, it's it's a small cell phone, it's a really small screen size. Not that many people are using Netflix, but you got to consider the technology is improving, uh, the connection speeds for internet is improving, and more and more people are using mobile for everything these days because it can be with them all the time." And so, a lot of those um, less technical smartphones and less technical cell phones that are becoming smartphones now, people are able to afford those, people are able to connect with those. And I think that that's going to be a phenomenon that is going to be very positive for Netflix, because if we're looking at how the market looks today, that's not exactly how the market's going to look five, ten years from now. even thinking 10 years ago, I mean, we were still going to blockbusters, and Netflix was disrupting the market then. But I think this is a long-term trend that benefits a company like Netflix, which still has so much of the bandwidth of the, of the internet and how it is working. And a lot of 
people in the right trend going towards things like like digital streaming. Yeah, and they make it clear with a lot of their commentary. They feel like streaming video on demand is still very much in the early innings. Um, you know, domestically it, it seems like a staple, but especially with the international markets and a lot of the markets that they really just entered earlier this year, uh, there seems to be quite a bit of potential there. Um, if you are looking for some optimism here domestically, uh, the company maintained their target uh, that U.S. Uh, in the U.S. Netflix could reach 60 to 90 million members. So there's clearly still a decent ramp there. Um, obviously, U.S. members makes up majority of their 83 million, but uh, still plenty of room to grow there. And then uh, something that I thought was kind of interesting is the 2010 to 2013 international launch markets. Uh, they said that they are on track to deliver aggregate contribution profit of around 500 million in 2016. And the reason I think that that's particularly interesting is you look at the huge, huge step they took in international growth earlier this year. And that 2010 to 2013 international launch market as a proxy kind of gives you an idea of when we might start to see some of those uh, new markets starting to pay back and really help the business. Three years. Three years. Yeah. Hopefully. You know, I, and uh, you see huge localized investments and you kind of wonder what's the payback period going to look like on that. Um, it's nice to see that, at least for some of their international markets, it's been relatively tight. And great first mover advantage, right? I mean, if you go into a market and you are the first ones to be digital streaming, you get used to it, you like your Netflix, that's going to be your go-to that you go to watch content. So, I think that's great. If they can make a money, if they can make money off of that for three years, um, a lot of upfront investment today internationally, a lot of upfront investment in content today. Uh, but if you can turn that into a profit after three years, I think that's phenomenal for a company like this. And more on the critical side, but uh, 17 of Netflix's original series, documentaries, films, comedy specials received 54 primetime Emmy nominations, which is up from 34 last year. Wow. Yeah. So they're putting out great original content, which is. You know, we, we talked about it before the show, that's what makes a platform sticky, is if you have something that people can't get elsewhere. And they're clearly nailing it with the stuff that they're putting out as Netflix originals. And when do we get the Emmys? Is that Sunday? Oh, I don't know. You caught me off guard. I, I don't know either. I'm thinking that might be this Sunday night, though. Man Behind the Glass, Austin Morgan. Any idea? He throws his hands up. He's not sure. No one knows. We know the Emmys are out there. They're coming up. <laughs> um, we're going to take a quick break. But uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about how investors should be thinking about Netflix moving forward, and uh, possibly some of the issues with rising competition in the space. Um, this episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Harry's. Listeners, you've heard us drop their name on the show a few times now. Chris Hill is host of Market Foolery. He's a big fan of theirs, and uh, he actually got me to give their stuff a shot. Let me tell you, they've got pretty high-quality stuff. The blades are super sharp, provide a nice, close, comfortable shave. They offer shavers a razor handle with a great looking feel, extra razor blades, and shave cream that smells pretty awesome. All their products look pretty sleek. They cost about half as much as other razor brands. The best part, all their stuff gets shipped directly to your door. So why pay $32 for an eight-pack of blades when you can get them for half the price at harrys.com? Uh, Harry's is going to be offering our IF listeners a special deal. Uh, they'll give you $5 off your first purchase with the promo code FOOL. Just go to harrys.com to redeem their special offer. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Enter code FOOL at the checkout and get $5 off. So, Simon, second half of the show, we ran through some of the numbers we saw in the release that we liked. How should investors be thinking about Netflix at this point? I mean, there are still huge growth expectations priced into the stock. Last I checked, they had a trailing PE of 
265. Uh, that, that's up there. I know you are Mr. High PE. <laughs> uh, we talked about how this grandfathering process is going to continue to flow into the results for the coming quarters. Uh, you're an investor. Uh, you obviously cover it for some of our newsletters as well. Like, what are you looking for? What are you interested in? Sure. Okay. So, first of all, let's talk about what's in the E. Uh, the earnings that are reported in Gap Accounting uh, have taken out the amortization costs of the content that Netflix buys. So typically, the business works like this: Netflix finds a show that they're very interested in, and there will be a negotiation and a bid for for acquiring exclusive content. There are some other non-exclusive agreements too, but say that you want a show, it's just going to be available on Netflix. Netflix puts money up front to buy the show and then amortizes that over time. Uh, which reduces the current earnings, but you still get the benefit of that for years and years. So, the first thing that I'm looking at as an investor is there is a bit of uncertainty in those content costs that Netflix is on the hook for. If you do want good shows, you can't just say, "Okay, well, my costs are probably going up three percent a year." You know, I, I can kind of model out what they're going to look like in the future. Um, you've got some pretty big competition now getting interested in streaming. Uh, Amazon is probably the biggest name in the space. But we've even seen some other content providers wanting to go directly and offer offer their own content directly to consumers. So the cost of that content, we don't know really what a lot of that is going to look for, especially for the big shows. But I think it's a good assumption that it will be going up. Yeah, they they liken the um, the content costs and the franchises and the licenses that they're working with to players in uh, like the Major League Baseball like free agency market, and they say, yeah. you know, like talent's going to move back and forth. All in all, we're going to see our overall roster hopefully stay within a certain salary level. But um, you know, you're going to see people get bid up as they perform really well or as they're really interesting. And sometimes you got to let them go. Yeah, and Netflix does that, right? They, they, there's some Moneyball aspect to this. That Netflix isn't just going to go out and throw all of their money in a show that's going to be a flop. It's it's a calculated capital allocation move. To what get all term. investor talk on you, but uh, but it is. I mean, that's the future of the business is the content that Netflix has, and if Netflix falls behind competitors and not having the best content, they're going to lose some subscribers, and so I think that's something very important. And, uh, and just to offer up some uh, some commentary from management in their most recent release, uh, they talked about how their appetite for these high prices has gone down quite a bit as more players have come into the space, and so as that happens. They've said more and more of their programming is going to lean towards either exclusive global programming um, or their own original programming, just because it's a lot easier to control costs there. And you know, like we talked about with original programming, that's the only place you can get it. Yeah. Netflix is the only game in town if you want to watch House of Cards, right? My favorite show. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's probably one of my favorite shows too. I mean, you you find a lot of fans of that around the pool. Yeah, especially in the DC area, right? Yeah, but but that's definitely going to be a big focus. Um, one because it's it's in house, it's exclusive content that they that they're programming themselves, and secondly is it's a TV show. Uh, TV shows have become increasingly more and more important for for a business like Netflix as opposed to the movies where you know there'd be a big budget film maybe costs a couple hundred million dollars to make, but it's a blockbuster. But then you get the rights to it. It's more and more about for the streaming world. Um, Recurring, coming back to the shows like The Dexters or The House of Cards or something that keeps you glued to Netflix and you can only get on Netflix, but it's more and more of a time commitment than just a two hour movie is. And this is a space that you're seeing a lot more competition to. Uh, Hulu is very involved in, in, in TV streaming now. 
um, Disney is now uh, considering the, the option of an ESPN Plus, where you can get sports streamed directly from them, or Disney Life, like they've done in the UK, where you can get Disney shows uh, directly. So I, I think that TV is going to play an increasing role, and also that original program is going to play an increasing role. Yeah, and even just to look at that from the viewer behavior perspective, you know, if you watch the most recent season of House of Cards, you're going to stay a Netflix subscriber because you want to see the next season, and that's not available until they dump it. You know, what eight months from now, something right. like that. You know, <laughs> so you, so you're going to have to wait. Uh, I, just there's no other way around it. Um, one of the other things that I do think is kind of interesting to watch is how their localization efforts pay off. Um, you know, a lot of the big, big success that they've seen have been with U.S. American language stuff. As they expand into some of these other markets, they are creating content that is specifically geared towards that. If they can have the same warm reception with those shows that they've had with a lot of the really great programming that they've had in the U.S., um, I think you're going to see some pretty awesome results on the business side, at least from their national markets. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, are you super worried about the rising competition, or is this something that you think that they are relatively well entrenched and able to kind of stave off with their original content and other strategic moves? I'm I'm not worried about it, but it's something that that I will be looking at as an investor. I still think Reed Hastings is the smartest guy in the media room. He always is. He was smart enough to see the future of his business. Uh, was in streaming and in this recommendation engine that has become Netflix today. I mean, keep in mind, he had to disrupt his own DVD by mail business to do that, uh, which That's was a, great a point. phenomenally great bet, right? I mean, saying, hey, we're going to, we're going to, the future of our business is not this high margin DVD by mail business that we are at. It's, it's going to be on streaming. That's going to cost us a lot of money. Um, it's going to be a heck of a commitment, but he, I think he made the right call on that. I think he's aware of the competitive threats that are out there. But I'd still put my money on that guy and the future of media. And so, even with this rising competition and rising content costs and everything else, I think that he navigates the storm pretty well, uh, at least well enough for a shareholder to feel comfortable about the position that Netflix is in. Yeah. And for all the issues about member ads, you know, I think top line revenue was up 28% year over year. Yeah. It's nothing to sneeze at, right? Shoot, if you can take pride. Okay. So, so even think about that from, a, from an economic perspective, if you can keep a flatline subscriber growth, and grow uh, price by 25% for those those base ads, that's a win financially for me. Um, it doesn't always have to be about the number of new ads or the number of, of new net subscribers. Um, sometimes you just got to go out there and raise prices, and it seems like, at least right now, they're doing a decent job with that. Yeah, and we'll get a cleaner look at what the lasting value of that member base is once they get beyond this ungrandfathered period uh, in November. So, uh, possibly due for a check-in on this in the fall. Yep, great. Before I let you go, uh, any other comments? Anything else, Simon? I, I think it's a great company. I mean, Netflix has been a full favorite for for years around here, um, but it, it's kind of the embodiment of the rule breaker investing, right? It's 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 the unknown, it's the uncertainty, it's the future. It's it's a market that's not developed yet, but sometimes when you think about the risks that are in that, and you invest in companies that are good at navigating those, you can really come out. Pretty all right for yourself, and and I, I I really look forward to seeing where this company goes over the next decade or so too. Awesome, thank you for your time, Simon. Thanks, Dylan. Well, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or just want to reach out and say hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. You can always tweet us at mf industry focus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, please subscribe on iTunes or you can check out the Fool's family of shows at fool.com/podcasts. 
As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on the show. For Simon Erickson, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on.